Thank you so very much for that beautiful, beautiful song this morning. And uh, yes, it's common, but it's a great reminder of God's faithfulness to us. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. Book of Proverbs, chapter 1. When we do uh, have our, our time of honoring our graduates, I like to speak to our graduates, uh, especially. Um, but as I've often found, it's really hard to, to just preach at people. I'm not very good at that. I preach to people. I don't, it's hard for me to preach at people. My Mother's Day sermons, guys tell me, I got good out of that. Well, that's, kind of, that's probably because I'm not very good at preaching at people. And hopefully the same is said for Father's Day, that, that there will be moms or others that will get benefit out of it uh, as well. I'm just, it's, I guess it's just hard for me to, to preach that way because I just don't preach that way very often. Um, and so while this morning is intended uh, to speak uh, to our graduates, um, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that there's benefit to all. If, uh, if we can open our hearts this morning. I invite you to stand for, with me for the reading of God's Word, book of Proverbs, chapter 1, and uh, we're going to pick up our reading in verse 7. And there's so much good in here, there's so much good in here, and uh, I wish I had time to pr really preach this passage, but uh, we're going to try, to try to keep it a little shorter this morning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ointment, or, or sorry, an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, Consent thou not. If thou say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as they that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our house with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life the owners thereof. Father, we thank you so much for this service, the songs that we've sung, the song we heard, the testimony of Larissa, and, and Father, the, just the blessing of this, of this service, and your presence that we've sensed. We ask that you would anoint this message 
May, it be may you be glorified and may you be honored through it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. I really like stories. I just really get into a good story. I just, I don't know how to, how to really describe it, but one of the, I just, I just really like a good story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. If it's a good story, I like it. Back before we had, I don't, maybe any children or, or at least not very many, sometimes in the evenings when, when uh, my wife wasn't so exhausted as she is now, um, I would try to convince her to read to me. I was an adult, and I still like to be read to. I know, isn't that terrible? But I do. I just really like to be read to. I like to read, and I think most of you know that I like to read, but there's just something special, especially if it's a good fiction story. There's just something nice about being read to. I don't know why that is. I think it's something that God gave us. Most cultures have been story-based. In fact, I would, I would dare say probably all cultures have been story-based. The way that values were passed from one generation to the next generation was through stories and legends and, and different, you know, just different kinds of, of uh, parables and so forth. There, but all these stories, and, and one of the things that I really enjoy doing in all of my free time is, is to listen to and, and read and, and study the stories of different cultures, their ancient stories, their old stories, about how they were, the values of that culture and how they tried to pass that on. Whether it's Native American, sometimes it's uh, tribal African uh, cultures. I really just get into those. I, I've shared here some, uh, uh, some stories from the Jewish culture. I just really get into stories. And if you don't get into stories, I just don't get you, to be honest. And really, I think in, 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 for the large part, I think that that would be not normal to any culture. In fact, our story, as busy as we are and as, as, as just driven as we are, how many billions of dollars every year is spent on making stories for the television and for the movie theater? Our culture, even though we are not story-based like 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 what other cultures seem to be, we have, we have changed that out for visualized stories. Our children love stories. Every, almost every child loves a story, whether they like to read or not. There's a reason that Adventures in Odyssey keep, has, keeps running on and on and on and keeps going for, after, I mean, more than a couple of decades now. Because there's something that is that just draws us in to a good story. And uh, to our graduates and, and to all of us, I would say, each of us has been given a pen to write a story, the story of our life. In one way, that God is the author of our story. 
But somehow, some way, through, through the gift of free will, he has shared the pen with us. And sometimes we get to write our own story, and then there's sometimes that God writes parts of it, and we don't get a whole lot of say. We didn't get to choose our parents. We didn't get to choose our, uh, probably the church that we grew up in. We didn't get to choose the school we went to. There's a lot of things we don't, didn't get to choose. It was just given to us. God and his master authorship often pens the first few chapters. And for each of our graduates, largely that's been the story for you, is God has largely written your story. But as you've gotten older and as you're coming to the close of one chapter and you're beginning a new chapter, more and more God is giving you more control over your own story. And so as I was looking at this proverb and uh, realizing that that Solomon is speaking to his son and trying to uh, give him wisdom and, and helping the son as he's trying to write his story, I thought back to some things that I learned in school about stories. It's a little, it makes me a little nervous. We've got a lot of teachers here, so I hope I have all of this right. But there are three really important parts of a story. There is the setting. There is the plot, and there is the characters. Now, there's, now you can dig deeper into some of that. You, the plot you know, has a climax and a resolution and all that stuff. But three basic elements to every story. Every good story has those three components. And so this morning, by God's help, as God has been giving you more and more control over the writing of your story, I would like to talk to you about those three components as you are writing your story. The first I would suggest is that we would talk about is the setting. Now, the setting of your story has, as I said, has been largely set for you. You've been blessed with a Christian home. You've been blessed with a church family that cares about you and is wanting to honor you today. And you've got, you've been given the school that your parents either picked or is the public school that is nearby or, or basically those things have been chosen for you largely. Your setting has been set by God and by the choices that your parents have made. But especially Cameron, the setting is now under your control. The setting is largely, especially for Cameron, but, but even for Larissa, the setting starts to be under your control, where you begin to have more and more choices about where you're going to set the story of your life. As I think about my life, God has, has uh, I don't know if I can blame him for all of it, but uh, anyhow, we've, I've lived in five different states. Five different states have has set the setting of my story. The setting that I didn't choose, of course, was growing up in Michigan. And I love Michigan. I, I'm not sad about that. 
But then God moved me to Pennsylvania for, and, and then to Ohio and then back to Pennsylvania and then to New York and then to some place called Kansas. God's uh, chosen to allow us to live in five different states. And, and each of those settings have directly influenced my life. I think especially about as I was graduating from high school, God had called me to the ministry. And I had remembered at 16 when God called me, I asked him during that same prayer time, where do you want me to prepare? And he told me Penview. I don't think I would have picked Penview on my own. Not because it wasn't a good school, but in my church, all the young people that went to Bible college either went to UBC or GBS. Those were your two options. I was the first young person from my church to ever in its history to go to Penview. Now, thankfully, some followed me since, I, since I've been there. But I had to break the mold. Of course, as you many, most of you kind of know, that I don't really do really good with following what other people do. I, I march to my own drum. <laughs> But, you know, I made that decision that I was going to mind God. I was, I was changing my setting, and I went to Penview. That was a big deal. I remember, I remember my spiritual grandmother, and, uh, you know, they, her and her, and, and I called him Grandpa. He wasn't saved. But Grandma and Grandpa, they, I, because of the situation, I had to be dropped off early. There was nobody in the dormitory they dropped me off, they dumped, dumped my stuff off, and they, they, no sooner did they unloaded the vehicle that they turned around and went back to Michigan. And I didn't know anybody in 10 hours. And literally no other young people in the dormitory. And I thought, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? What I didn't know at that time is that there was a beautiful young lady in New York who had been accepted to Albany School of Pharmacy. She had set out her apartment. She had gotten that all taken care of, and, and uh, she was going to begin her working on her doctorate of pharmacy. And, uh, you know, she, she had stuff picked out for the apartment. She, I mean, she was, she was ready to go. I'm not sure exactly how many days until classes started, but Penview had already begun, you know, we'd taken our test and, you know, to find out, you know, how, what we knew for English and what we knew for Bible and stuff. And this beautiful young lady up in New York, She's there in bed, and God begins to speak to her and says, you know, you're picking the wrong setting. You're supposed to be at Penview, and you're supposed to be studying education. You're not supposed to be studying pharmacy in Albany, New York. Penview's already begun its, the process. I mean, the dormitory rooms have been picked, and I mean, we're, we're long down the process, and, and so the... The father calls up the president and says, I got a daughter here who wants to go to Penview, and it, this is a last-minute thing. And, and the president says, 
bring her on down. We'll accept her. She still needs to fill out an application, but, but we'll accept her. And God changed my wife's setting, her own decisions, her own plans for her future. God switched. And I've often wondered what would have happened if either one of us had done our own thing. The setting of our story really influences how the story goes. You don't tell, you know, a, a, a happy story. It doesn't, you know, an, an exciting adventure story that's, that's all fun, uh, you know, kind of a fun story. You don't begin it. It began on a dark and stormy night in a haunted house. You don't tell that kind of story, you know. It, it, but, and if you're going to tell a, a scary story, you don't say it happened on a bright, sunny day. The setting sets the tone for your story. There's some elements of, this, of, the, of the setting that you'll get to choose. You'll choose who your friends are, the people that you hang out with. Researchers tell us that we're the average of the six people we spend the most time with. We probably have the average salary. We kind of have the average intelligence. We kind of have the average spirituality. Of the six people we spend the most time with, we're the average of them. And we pick who our friends are. And, you know, we can choose a good setting. We can go to a Bible college. We can go to the Bible school. We can choose a really great setting. But we can choose the people that don't want to be there or the people that want to cause trouble as part of our setting, or the people that we hang out with. And they're there. They're there. There's no place that you can go that there aren't people that are trying to disobey God. There's no setting like that until you get to heaven, I guess. Maybe your home, if, if you've got a good home. But most of the places, that you're, the jobs and the schools, there's going to be those who don't. And we become the average of the six people that we hang out the most with. They say you want to raise your income, the best way to do it is hang out with six richer people than you are. Do you know why that is? Because you start to think like they think. You want to raise your spirituality? You want to become more godly? Hang out with six people that are more spiritual than you are. And you'll, become, you'll move up. The people you choose to hang out with, the people that you spend the most time with. Now, I think it's important that, that we help bring others up. I think it's good to have one or two that are part of our six that, that we're trying to help upwards. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to tell us that, that we ought to get cliquish with, and try to get snobbish and, you know, we're the high-class spiritual people or we're the high-class rich people. That's not what I'm talking about, young people or older people. What I'm talking about is choosing the setting of our story well. The story that you're going to tell, the story of your life, the places you choose to live, the places you choose to go to school, the jobs that you choose to have are going to affect the direction of your life. It can't help but do that. If I didn't choose Penview, 
my whole, the whole rest of my story changes, completely changes. If my wife cho- doesn't choose to go to Penview, she chooses that she's going to Albany School of Pharmacy, her whole story changes dramatically, all on one choice of a setting of our story. So the setting is important. In in Proverbs, he tells him, he says, be careful that you don't walk in the path of these that are going to try to lead you astray. Don't hang out with these kind of people. Don't go to the places that these kind of people, uh, that they dwell in and they they carry out their, their wicked schemes in. Don't hang out. Don't set your setting in a place that's going to draw you down spiritually. Setting. So there's the setting, and then there's the plot. The plot's important, isn't it? A story's not really any good without the plot. I mean, the plot is, is, is what makes a story a story. I mean, if I told you that, you know, it happened on a dark and stormy night, and there was a guy named Bob there, and that's the end of my story, Wow. I don't think any of our teachers here would accept that if you turned that in as as your story for the assignment. They would say, you need to go write a plot. You've got the setting. You've got a dark and stormy night. You've, you've, you've got it you know, set in the 1800s or wherever you have it set. You've got a nice setting here, and you've got a nice, uh, you, you know, it's nice that you got Bob there. It's, it's great. But so what? So what? There's got to be some kind of, of something there. And do you know what that something usually is? Do you know what usually that, that a plot is? The plot is usually, if I, if I understand my literature well enough, is the individual, the main character of the story, overcoming some kind of obstacle, some kind of challenge. I'm trying to remember from, from so long ago, but if I, rem- I remember that it's sometimes it's, it's man versus nature. A book like that was The Hatchet that I read as a young person about a boy who survived a plane crash into Alaska and all he had was his hatchet. It's a great, it was a great story. This man versus nature, this teenage boy out there with a hatchet and surviving on his own. Talk about exciting as a teenager to read that book. Sometimes it's, and I say man, it's, it's person, it could be a woman that is, but, but sometimes it's the person versus an adversary, a, 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 an antagonist, a, a bad guy, a villain. So you have got this 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 person that has kidnapped him or, or done this terrible, horrible deed. And, and so you've got this story of, of the good guy having to beat the bad guy. And there's so many examples of that. Sometimes it's the person versus themselves. Sometimes it's a challenge of them trying to overcome some of their own failings and some of their own difficulties and, and some of their own uh, uh, biases and, 
And uh, I think that probably a good example of that would be To Kill a Mockingbird, where Scout learned so much about herself and so much of what she's going through as she becomes uh, more of an adult, as she realizes that as she's going from innocence of childhood into her teen years, she's realizing that the world's far more complicated than what she thought it was. It's one of the reasons it's a classic. It's, it's man versus themselves. There's other components to that story, too. And I'm sure there's others. I'm sure there's, there's other uh, variations. Sometimes it's, it's the person versus the social thing, social uh, rules and social uh, thing, uh, and, you know, romance novels, and, and it's that, you know, who, which one are they going to pick? It's always a love triangle in a romance novel. I never understood why anybody reads more than one of them. Once you've read one romance novel, you've read every single one. They're all the same. The main character, guy or girl, two others, one, one uh, you know, so let's say it's a, a girl is the main character. There's two guys. One of them is clearly the right one and the other one's clearly the wrong one. And you've got this triangle and you've got to figure out. And the only thing that's exciting about the whole story is knowing how the girl is going to pick the right guy. It's all the same story every time. Why do you keep reading them? It doesn't make any sense to me. But if you like them, go ahead and read them. I don't suppose that, you, that they'll keep you out of heaven, unless you read them more than your Bible, I guess. But <laughs> or to the exclusion of your Bible, better say it maybe that way. But there's always a challenge. There's always an obstacle. That's what makes the story worth reading. And what I want to tell you, graduates, and, 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 and to all of us that care about our graduates, life has challenges. Life is full of obstacles and battles and, 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 and these things that we've, that we've got to face, hopefully with courage. Hopefully, as Larissa told us, trusting God, that he wrote that challenge into our story, knowing that if we will trust him, that we can overcome that challenge. There's not a one of us that has lived for any amount of time that hasn't had to overcome challenges it's part of life and we can make it out like this oh it's terrible you know we've got to, we've got all these challenges and whatever life is an adventure if we didn't have challenges if, if if life was always easy i think it would be boring people who are rich and they don't have the normal challenges that we do they have to do crazy things like skydiving or starting a company. Or, you know, trying to eradicate uh, a disease. There is built within every single person a drive to overcome challenges. And this isn't sinful. This is, uh, God, when he get, put Adam into the garden, he said that, you were that he was supposed to dress the garden, that he was supposed to expand the garden, that, the, that he, was, he was going to be the great gardener of this Eden. It, God gave him a beginning, but Eden, we talk about Eden being perfect, and it was, but Eden still needed Adam to put effort into it and face the challenges of the garden. And part of the curse was that the challenges were going to become so much more. And you're going to face challenges, graduates. 
you're going to face reverses. There's going to be times that it's going to seem like God is not making sense, and maybe even times it's going to feel like God's not on your side. There's going to be times that God's going to write a challenge into your story, and you're going to say, wait, 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 I, I, want, to, I want an eraser. I want to erase this challenge out. God, why did you write this in? And God says, I want, to, I, want you, I want you to write a solution to it. I want you to write a solution to it. I was reading some time ago that there were some screenwriters, they were doing a television show, and uh, I, I don't remember if he was, what his, it, the whole deal, I think he was under contract, his contract was up, and at the end of the season, he had written this great cliffhanger, and, and, and just looked like it was impossible to solve. And his contract was up. He was going to walk away, and he didn't have responsibility to solve the problem. He wrote the problem, left it, and whoever was come next was going to have to solve the problem, the next screenwriter. Little did he know that he was going to get re-signed to his contract, and he was going to have to write the solution. <laughs> when I read that, I thought, you know, sometimes God writes us into, it seems like God writes us into a corner. Sometimes it seems like God puts us in this little corner and, it, and we look and there's no way out. And God says, here's the pen. Here's the pen. Write yourself out of this. And do you know what? The more you try to write yourself out of that corner, the more you're going to find that you cannot do it. But if you'll say, God, I'm giving the pen back to you. God, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. I'm willing to do what you want me to do, but I'm giving the pen back to you. Write me out of this corner. Write me out of this corner. And sometimes God does, and other times he gives us the grace to deal with the place that we have been given. To the plot that we've been, and sometimes, sometimes the plot is us versus ourselves. I read this week that I forget who it was, and I'm sorry I can't give credit to who it was that said this. But he said he read that God God had said to love your enemies, and so he loved himself. And sometimes that's where we need to start. And so much of life, I feel like it, it, the way it's written, it feels like it's us versus the bad guy, that boss, that, that coworker, that spouse the Lord gave us, whoever it is that feels like our enemy in that moment. And really, I have found that the majority of the time in life, it isn't me versus them. It's me versus me. It's me versus me. And so I would say to you, young people, as you face the plots, as you face the challenges, and here in, in the proverb writer, he's, he's given the plot. He says, you're going to have people come up to you and say, hey, you want to make a quick buck? We can, we can, we can pull off this heist. We can, we can do this. We can do that. 
We can have it easy. And you know, that young person has to, and the, that Solomon's son's going to have to make a decision in that moment of what he's going to do. Is it him versus the, these bad guys, these friends? Or is it really himself versus himself? Solomon gives us the clue when he said, talks about greed. The greed that's in a, in a young person's heart and an older person's heart can pull us away from the right path. To have a good story, you've got to have a setting. You've got to have a plot. And you have to have some characters. And I want you to know, young people, you're all characters. Some of you got that. We're, we're all the main character of our own story. We're the main character. And, you know, and there are times in your story that you're going to feel like the main character. I hope our graduates feel like they're the center of attention today. It doesn't come around very often. There are times that it seems like we're a minor character and a great big plot that's going on and we don't really have much control or say. But sometimes, sometimes we are the main character of, of a larger story, but we are always the main character of our own story. And the choices we make will affect the outcome. I told you I like to read, hear stories from Native American culture, African tribal cultures, Jewish culture. You know what I've, what I've discovered? Not all of those stories have happy endings. Sometimes those stories, the main character has bad things happen to them because they've made bad choices. And the value that they're trying to communicate to them is that if you make bad choices, bad things will happen. And in Solomon's story, he's saying, listen, if you make bad choices, you're going to be hunting not for their blood, but for your own blood. The character choices you make, every choice you make develops your character. God has given you the pen. You have the most say over this than any of the others. Sometimes, sometimes settings will be chosen for you. God will lead you this way or that way, and we'll have to, a, a choice to make. The plot stories, the obstacles that we have to face, many times we don't get to choose our obstacles, but what we have the most say over is who we are and the choices we make. Are we going to be the one who is wise and, and begins with the fear of the Lord? Or are we going to be foolish and reject instruction? It's our choice. It's our choice. Young people, as you're turning the page into a new chapter, more of the choice of who your character is is placed into your hands. Cameron's the greatest, Larissa, and then Reagan. Your choices begin to really, really matter. 
I've said it many times, but I just can't get away from T.S. Eliot's quote when she said, our choices determine us as much as we determine our choices. The choices we make determine how easy it is to make those choices in the future. Making a bad choice today, even as young as Reagan's age, it makes it easier than at Cameron's age to make those bad choices. But the more that you make good choices, the more that your character is developed when no one's looking. Suddenly, when you're given the option, when it doesn't look like there'll be any consequences for your actions, when it when it doesn't look like anyone's looking over your shoulder, when you're, you can't be disciplined anymore. And those choices come. You're developing your character. Are you going to be the good guy or the bad guy? Are you going to be the hero or the victim? Are you going to be a person of integrity? Or are you going to be sneaky and underhanded? We have, by God's grace, the freedom to choose our own character. And Satan will come along and say, you know, you, if you write your character the way God wants you to, you won't have any fun and you won't be happy and you won't this and you won't that. You know what? I just encourage you, ask the others that are further along in their book, that are several chapters ahead of you, that they've written their lives. Ask them, ask them, is that true? Do you wish that you could go back and edit your book and, and change it? I'll tell you that I'm so very grateful that I chose to go to Penview, I wouldn't edit that out. I'm not saying you have to choose Penview. That's not what my point. My point is, is because I obeyed God in that setting, I have a life that I would never be willing to change. Are there things in my past I'd like to edit out? Sure. But do you know what they are? There were choices I made outside of God's will. Every single thing that I wish that I could edit out of my history is either me or someone else made a decision that affected me that was outside of God's will. Ask the older ones. Ask the senior saints. And I would just say to our senior saints who are about ready, hopefully not for a long time, but, but getting close to ending your book, end it well. So much of the character and so, so much of the plot and so much of the setting has already been written, but I would just encourage our senior saints, as you're getting close to the end of your book, end it well. I know the challenges ramp up. I know the discouragement ramps up. I know the enemy recognizes his opportunity to steal you away is ramping up. And I just encourage you, end it well. So, many, so much of your book is written. Don't do a surprise twist at the end that ruins your story. End it well. End it well. Those of us that are in the middle of our book, keep writing well. Keep writing it well.
Don't, don't somehow go find a, uh, an accident ram. Don't, don't, don't in the middle of the story just change it all up and, and now the readers of your book don't, like, what, what is that? Keep writing well. To our young people, those that feel like they're at the beginning of their book, you're the most blessed of all of us because you have the privilege of writing the entirety well. You have the privilege of having the fewest regrets. You have the privilege of, of writing your story in such a way that brings glory and honor to God and is a testimony to what God can do in your life. Write it well. And our graduates, as you start a new chapter, whether it's college or high school or first grade, write it well. Write it well. God can forgive the mistakes of the past. God can, can change your character. But when we put the ink to the page, when we've lived our life, there's no going back and fixing it. Live it well. Live it well. I'd like to share with you a poem and in, in conclusion. It's just very short. Natasha Bedingfield wrote, Feel the rain on your skin. No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. No one else. No one else can speak the words on your lips, drench yourself in words unspoken, live your life with arms wide open. Today is where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. And I would add, write it well. Write it well. Let's stand together. Father, bless our graduates. Thank you for each one of them. And we ask that you'd give them the courage to write the story of their life well. Help them, Lord, to mind you in the big things and the little things. Help them in the choices of their settings, that they would choose the right places, that they would be careful little feet where they go. And Father, as they are facing the challenges of life, that, Father, that they would write their, their plots, that they would not give in to the enemy, but that they would be more than overcomers. Lord, give them a character that's true and faithful. May they be people who follow after your heart and bless them as they uh, as they go into this next chapter of their life and help us each one, every one of us, to write the story of our life well. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.